We're going to go ahead and uh, hear from Michael Lowe. He's our scripture reader for today. Morning. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 6, and the first part will be en français, and the second part will be in English. Matthieu 6, 25 à 30. C'est pourquoi je vous dis, ne vous inquiétez pas en vous demandant, qu'allons-nous manger ou boire, avec quoi allons-nous nous habiller La vie ne vaut-elle pas bien plus que la nourriture Et le corps ne vaut-il pas bien plus que les vêtements Voyez ces oiseaux qui volent dans le ciel. Ils ne sèment ni ne moissonnent, ils n'amassent pas de provisions dans des graniers. Et votre Père céleste les nourrit. N'avez-vous pas bien plus de valeur que D'ailleurs, qui de vous peut, à force d'inquiétude, prolonger son existence, ne serait-ce que de quelques instants. Quant aux vêtements, pourquoi vous inquiétez à leur sujet Observez les lits sauvages. Ils poussent, sans se fatiguer, à tisser des vêtements. Pourtant, je vous l'assure, le roi Sal Salomon lui-même, dans toute sa gloire, n'a jamais été aussi bien vêtu que l'un d'eux. Si Dieu habille ainsi cette petite plante des champs, qui est là aujourd'hui et qui demain sera jeté au feu. À plus forte raison, ne vous vêtira-t-il pas vous-même Ah, votre foi est bien petite. Matthew 6, 31-34 Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's right. Amen. And I'm going to invite you, if you haven't already, turn in your Bibles or scroll on your phone. To Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, not Matthew 25, verse 6. Don't get those confused. We are going to talk about anxiety and worry. This is, this is a time of anxiety in our world right now. Um, I, I, I think probably we feel like it's, it's uh, a unique time. Of anxiety, more anxiety-inducing uh, concerns than ever before. Something tells me people have thought that before, and they'll think it again. Um, but as I was preparing to talk about anxiety, I thought about making a list of all the reasons we have to be anxious, and like reading that out and talking about it. And I thought that that might actually distract us from the message that Jesus has for us. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to give one example that I don't think will have too many uh, touch points for us. But uh, you may have heard recently that for several years the birth rate in the United States has been falling. And just in the last couple of weeks they've, they've uh, started talking about a new cause for the falling birth rate. Climate change. But not just climate change, specifically anxiety about climate change. People worrying about what's gonna, what the future is going to be. And so they say, I don't want to bring a child into an unknown future. 
so they don't have children. Uh, but I wonder what makes you anxious. What do you worry about? What keeps you awake at night? What grabs your attention and makes you fearful? So whatever that is, whatever those anxiety-inducing concerns are, um, hopefully we can f- see some ways that Jesus wants us to address those, some tools we can have to combat them. But a, first, a quick caveat. There is a difference between the kind of worry and anxiety that the Scripture is talking about and an anxiety disorder that needs professionally trained help. So I don't want anyone thinking uh, that the Scripture says, don't go see a counselor or a psychologist if you have an anxiety disorder. No, that, that could be one of the ways that is a breakthrough for you to overcome anxiety. But for most of us, we look to the Scripture uh, and, and we don't have to pair that with uh, professional help. But if you do, there is no shame in that. Please seek that help that you need. But let's look to the Scripture for the everyday struggle of worry and anxiety. So will you pray with me? Lord, we need your help in more ways than we know. And specifically today, we ask for help with worry and anxiety, knowing that it is an anxious time in the world and we can easily be distracted from keeping our focus on you. And uh, Lord, you know each of our hearts. You know the ones of us that this is more of a struggle and that need uh, a special help from you. But Lord, we all admit our need. Teach us from your word. Give us instruction through your son and, and uh, make us sensitive to your spirit as you lead us. Uh, we long to be focused on you and about your purposes. And so we pray that today in Jesus' name. I want us to think about uh, the passage that Michael read for us, and uh, if, you, uh, if you have that there in front of you, it will be helpful to refer back. We're going to talk about combating uh, worry and anxiety. Specifically, we're going to say, let's abandon worry and trust in God. Uh, abandon worry and trust in God. So what does it mean then to abandon worry and trust in God? Well, first of all, trusting God does not require dismissing your troubles or your fears. You have plenty of legitimate fears to worry about. So there are legitimate reasons to worry. Jesus isn't saying, oh, just sweep it under the rug, look the other way, uh, just uh, grab your drink and sit down by, uh, by the beach and, uh, and forget your troubles. That's not... That's not the, the point Jesus is making. No, he's, he starts off by talking about there are real worries, real legitimate concerns, real uh, worries that you could have. It's about how you handle them, how you either give over to the worry or turn to God. That's the question. It's not about ignoring uh, troubles. And uh, I will also point out that uh, the kind of worry and anxiety Jesus is talking about is different from personal responsibility. So Jesus is also not saying, don't go to work. 
He's not saying, oh, God's going to fill your refrigerator with food. Don't go to work. Don't go to the grocery store. He's not saying, God's going to give you the A on the test you need. Don't study. No, that's, it's, God, Jesus is not talking about ending your personal responsibility. Uh, failing to prepare for a test or do your work or manage your finances properly or take care of your health, those are not uh, an accurate extrapolation of what Jesus is talking about when he says, don't worry. In fact, um, R.C. Sproul said something about this. He said, Christ told his disciples not to be anxious about tomorrow, but he never said not to consider tomorrow. Intelligent problem-solving demands careful consideration of the future effects of present solutions. Now, he got a little wordsmithy there, didn't he? That's R.C. Sproul. But the point is, we still have a personal responsibility. We have our work to do. Um, but then there, there are many worries that don't depend on our preparation. And there are many worries that come at the end of our preparation and whatever is beyond our control. So what we see Jesus telling us to do then is to, put, to trust God by putting our anxieties into perspective. Trust God by putting your anxieties into perspective. He, as he's talking about these needs that, that might have been worries for his audience there uh, in the first century, he talks about uh, food and clothing. And, um, and he says, is not life more important than food? And is not the body more important than clothing? And so what he's doing is he says, Put, put things in perspective. Uh, in one sense, don't go worrying after the things that are not of the most important priority. And we're actually going to see that come full, full circle in a moment. There are differing levels of anxiety-inducing needs. For us, food and clothing may not rise to the same level as they would have in Jesus' day. Because we take them for granted. When we, if, if, when we hear Jesus say, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or what clothes you will uh, what, what put on your body, we think, is he talking about what choices I make about food? Like I'm standing before the cupboard or the refrigerator, I'm deciding which one. And I'm standing before my closet, I'm deciding which outfit to wear. That's, that's not at all what Jesus is talking about. He's talking to people where they, they uh, lived hand to mouth, like they to, to exist and survive, they had to find, how am I going to put food on the table for the, for the family tonight? Uh, to survive the, the weather, I, they had to make sure they had adequate clothing. It wasn't a closet full. It was what was on your body. And you had to provide for yourself and your family to survive. It was life and death. And we've, we miss that when we hear Jesus talking about food and clothing. It's life and death decisions and needs. And so... Uh, there are plenty of, of our worries that rise to that level. But there are plenty other worries that turn out to be no big deal. You might have experienced that. You were super anxious about something. You were very worried about something. But in the end, it turned out it was really no big deal. Uh, one example from my life. When I was about nine years old, I went to a, a, a summer camp for boys. And uh, we... We had dormitories to sleep in, but then for a special treat, we got to go camp in the woods in tents one night. 
And some of the boys decided to take a little walk through the woods, and I got lost. And uh, I immediately was flooded with anxiety. There was a snake under every rock. There was a bear behind every tree. There were murder hornets. I didn't even know such a thing existed, but (laughs) something was threatening my life. And I was super scared and freaked out and began to call out for help and, and lose my cool. Well, turns out it was no big deal because the camp was run by... Uh, trained outdoorsmen. There were firemen there that, uh, that knew how to do search and rescue. And I was only like a couple minutes walk from the campsite. It was really no big deal. Um, and I felt pretty foolish when I realized how little of a deal it was. But we, we experience that all the time. Little things that we blow out of proportion with anxiety and worry. And then genuine things that we worry about and, and have anxiety over. And so In all of these things, we need to put them into perspective and then figure out how to address them. Um, I would say that there's, there's among probably many roots for worry and anxiety, here are two very concerning ones. Uh, Two roots for worry and anxiety are control and expectations. When it comes to control, we have a desire to be in control of our life, to control what happens to us, to control every situation, to make it go the way we think it should go. And we worry about situations because we want to exert our force on the situation even before it gets here. And we worry, how will I handle things when they come? Because I want to control things. I want to make only the good things happen to me or make only the good outcomes come about. And so we grasp things with a very tight control. Another root of worry is expectations. I wonder, do you have an expectation that God will make your life safe and comfortable and healthy and easy? Do you expect that, that God has, he has promised that to you and he will deliver that? That's, that's not biblical. In this life, we are not promised comfort and safety and ease we're actually promised the opposite. The life will be difficult. And so if you have this expectation, uh, a wrong expectation on God, then you're actually going to be living in the worry because you'll be seeing problems either coming or, or perceived problems. You'll be thinking, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't match with my expectation of what God's supposed to do in my life. And so I'm worried about it. I'm wrestling with it. I'm anxious over it. Uh, John Stott says, A Christian's freedom from anxiety is not due to some guaranteed freedom from trouble, but to the confidence that God is our Father, that even permitted suffering is within the orbit of His care. And so that's where, how we are to combat anxiety and worry. We trust God by observing His heart, and his power. When Jesus was teaching the disciples and he said, don't, don't be anxious, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Then he gave some examples. Your translation might say, consider the birds or look at the birds. And he, he wants us to think about the created order. In other words, we have negative thoughts and, and negative emotions 
that anxiety and worry bring about? And what is Jesus' tool to combat those things? Truth. Jesus says, when the worry grips you, when the anxiety is roiling inside of you, what do you do? Look to truth. And in this case, Jesus is pointing to, uh, to the general revelation of creation. He says, look to God's truth. Take every thought captive with the truth of God. Preach the truth of God to yourself. And so he says, first of all, see that your father not only knows your need, but cares about you. The Father knows your need and cares for you. He, and he points to the birds. My mom is visiting for Tennessee, from Tennessee this week. And uh, we were sitting in the backyard lots this week because of the beautiful weather and playing with the kids and stuff. And, and at one point she's like, where, where are the birds? I don't hear any birds. And I totally forgot. Like I've been here 10 years. I've totally forgotten. The difference in the wildlife in Tennessee, there are songbirds everywhere. Like you're always hearing birds chirping and singing praises to God. And here you might hear a stellar jay squawking or the crows calling or seagulls or something. But we miss out on that beautiful songbird population here. And, uh, but when we think about a bird, like we, we overlook them. We, we totally dismiss them. We were sitting at our campsite the other, uh, just a couple days ago, and this tiny little wren, a tiny little bird, was just like hopping around under the deck, like picking grain or insects or whatever, like totally oblivious to the rest of the world, and the world's oblivious to it. And yet God sees the bird and cares for its needs. The heart of the Heavenly Father, the Creator, sees even the smallest creature and cares. Not just sees. Like I think we all understand that, that God sees but he cares. And that's what Jesus is, is one of the truths that he says, this is how you combat anxiety. Look to the Father's heart. that He sees you, sees your need, and he cares for you. And then the next part is look to the Father's power, that he is able to meet your need. And so he uh, give the, gives the example of not only does God see the, the bird and, and feeds it, uh, and cares about it, but he also has the power to feed it. He says, that bird doesn't go and plant and, and sow a, uh, a crop and reap a harvest and store in barns. No, that's what people do. That, that, those are human means. No, the Father feeds the creation with, with heavenly means, with the power of God. He says the same. Look at the, the flowers of the field. If we were to try to match that, he gave the example of, example of Solomon. The Solomon probably had the best tailors and seamstresses of the whole region, able to gather uh, materials from all over that part of the world, uh, golden threads and, and, the most, and the finest silks and linens and, and uh, dyes to make all kinds of royal garments. They spent hours and fortunes on these garments. And, and those are all human means. And, and Jesus says, look to God's power without any of those human means, can dress the, the grass of the field in, in the finest array in those flowers. And so God has power that is beyond our understanding. Without human means, God can still meet 
our needs. And so to combat worry and anxiety, Jesus says, look to the heart of God, look to the power of God, and fight the worry and the anxiety by trusting in the Father. But still, we, ha- we wrestle with this because we wrestle with turning over trust to God. We want to be in charge. Francis Chan speaks very bluntly. If you know Francis Chan, you know he does. This is what he says about this topic. Worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. Stress says the things we are involved in are important enough to merit our impatience, our lack of grace toward others, uh, or our tight grip of control. Basically, these two behaviors communicate that it's okay to sin and not trust God because the stuff in my life is somehow exceptional. Both worry and stress reek of arrogance. They declare our tendency to forget that we've been forgiven, that our lives are brief, and that in the context of God's strength, our problems are small indeed. Why do we have so much difficulty trusting God? God who has the loving Father's heart and the power to meet every need. Because we want to trust ourselves. We want to be in control. Tennessee uh, preacher and professor from the previous century, Lee Roberson, says, Worry is nothing but practical infidelity. The person who worries reveals his lack of trust in God and that he is trusting too much in self. We want to trust in God Look to the Father. Combat our worry and our anxiety by seeing the Father's heart and his power. But Jesus goes more from there. So that was all his, like, combating the worry and the anxiety. But he actually says, but, but actually now you're missing the point if you're only focused on your worry and your anxiety. Instead, you need to invest your time and your energy on more important pursuits. Anxiety itself does nothing good for you. Now, the way Jesus said that was, which one of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? Or if you have the King James uh, translation, uh, which one of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to your height? So neither, we, can, we, can, we cannot make ourselves taller and we can't make our lives longer by worrying. Corey Ten Boom says, worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you moving, but doesn't get you anywhere. I think, actually, if you're a worrier, you can really relate to that. Think about the pacing you do and just uh, the energy you exert. George Herbert says, A hundred load of worry will not pay an ounce of debt. If you're wondering what a hundred load is, that's the way they talked in the 1600s. I don't know. (laughs) But the point is, It gets you nowhere. It does nothing good for you. Instead, Jesus says, no, focus on the the things that are productive for the kingdom of God. Because if we're focusing on just alleviating our worries, it's going to eat up all of our time and energy and resources. Think about it. 
if you're just focusing on alleviating, alleviating your worries, you might tend to uh, try to earn a lot of money or save a lot of money or cut a lot of expenses. You might try to over-focus on your health. I'm going to be the healthiest I can. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to watch every calorie. I'm going to eat, take all these vitamins. I'm going to learn everything I can about my body. Or, or if maybe you're secure, you have security-related worries. I'm going to be super conscious of every threat. I'm going to train. I'm going to dig a bunker. I'm going to store food. I'm going to uh, uh, gather a group of people to help me, like your security focus. Or maybe uh, it's a relational worry that you have. And so you're always, I'm going to check on, are we doing okay? How are you doing? How am I doing? Uh, let's talk about our feelings. Like you're, only, you're so focused on the relational. Or maybe it's uh, school-related fears and worries. I'm going to give all my time to studying. I have no life. I'm just going to learn everything I can. I'm going to over-prepare. I'm going to write every paper five times until I get it perfect. You see, if we focus on just alleviating our worries and our strength, we have no time for anything else. We have no energy. And in fact, we're completely distracted from living for the purposes of God. So Jesus says, trust God And now invest your life, your time, your energy in what matters. He says, uh, give yourself to the pursuits of the kingdom of God. And the way he said that was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want to kind of break that down for just a minute. Think about those parts. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, what's the kingdom of God? Well, God is building an eternal kingdom through those who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. He's building a kingdom of people who love God, who want to dwell in God's presence forever. He's establishing an eternal kingdom. And he invites us to live in that kingdom now and forever. We can live in that kingdom now by knowing God, by glorifying God, and by enjoying Him forever. We can be part of the kingdom now by being part of his people, the church, the called together people of God. We can be part of that kingdom by investing in making disciples, by growing that kingdom, by being on mission with God to share the good news of Jesus and then to teach disciples to follow Jesus and and know the teachings of the scriptures by touching lives and making a difference for the kingdom. So God has this kingdom he's building. He's inviting us to invest in it. Well, then what's the righteousness of God as well? How do we, how do we seek that? We seek to grow in likeness, That our character, our speech, our actions would all line up with the character, speech, and actions of Christ. And that, that's a... That seeking of God's righteousness is a lifelong pursuit. It's, a, it's progressively being transformed from the inside out. And we invest in that and seek after that. Well, Jesus said, seek these things. That means our thoughts, our attitudes, our desires, our actions, habits, behaviors, efforts, goals. All of our life is channeled into this pursuit of God's kingdom and his righteousness. It's, a, it's, it's a, everything about us is pursuing the kingdom of God. And, but if we, if we just stop there, I think the disciples, I think that's where they were. That they did seek the kingdom of God. They were seeking the righteousness of, 
righteousness of God. But what Jesus' point in all this was the word that I haven't said yet, and that is first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not just, about, not, not, not just about the fact that we need to seek these things. It's what priority in our lives uh, do, do we give to the, that pursuit. We seek these things first, not only because with our highest priority, but with our best resources and our first considerations. We seek them first, which means that when it's time to make decisions, the, the kingdom of God gets the highest value in our lives. When it's, when it's time to uh, set a budget, the kingdom of God gets the highest priority. When it's time to allocate our time, the kingdom of God gets the first, the first cut. When it's time, now we've overextended ourselves and we have to pull back somewhere. So we say, well, where, where do I have, I've, I'm spending too much time doing things. Where do I cut back? Or I'm spending too much money. Where do I cut back? The kingdom of God is not on the table because it is our first priority, our highest priority. We don't pull back. Seek first the kingdom of God. This is actually one of the ways we combat worry and anxiety because we invest in what truly matters. And then Jesus says that God will bless your seeking him and provide for your needs. He says, and all these things will be added to you. Now, it's important to note we're not talking about like a transactional works-based relationship with God where God says, if you will do these things for my kingdom, then I will give you the food to eat and the clothes to wear. Uh, or it's not a uh, prosperity gospel arrangement where if I just say the right things, do the right things, invest enough, then God's going to open the coffers of heaven and fill my life full of money, success, and health, and long life. No, that's, that's not at all what Jesus is talking about. But he does say, live for the kingdom and God will take care of you. Again, it goes back to what are our expectations of God. And the blessings... Um, that we experience from God sometimes uh, includes uh, giving us peace when the need isn't met. We read earlier in our liturgy, Philippians 4, um, that says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you hear the part where it just said that God will give you everything you ask? It didn't say anything about God giving you anything you asked for. Now, that is implied that, that, is, that God cares for his people and, and meets their needs. But he, he, what is said there is that God will give us peace, that we trust God. As we bring our needs and our anxieties to God, we lay them down and we say, now I'm, I'm trusting in you. And he gives us a peace beyond understanding. That's a, a blessing even far greater than the needs being met. And I, I want to think about, for just a moment, a man named George Mueller. And I wish I had time to tell you his whole story. It's a pretty incredible and complex story. But uh, if you have time, later, you can go on our website uh, under the sermon section and find today's sermon there are additional resources and you can see about George Mueller's life but uh, he is a prime example of someone who was called 
he felt a specific call in his life of how he was supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. And he gave his life to it. He gave everything to seeking first the kingdom of God. And for him, and uh, in his context, that had to do with caring for orphans. And there were lots of orphans uh, in his day. Uh, by the end of his life, he, ca- he had helped provide for and care for over uh, several hundred thousand orphans. And, uh, but as he was giving every part of his life to the kingdom of God, uh, he, def- he had needs. And there was a time when he was sitting, one of the early days in his small, when he had a smaller orphanage, he was sitting around the table, the breakfast table, with uh, all the kids ready for breakfast. And they had spent every penny that they had to house and clothe and feed these kids, and there was no more money. They had they'd fed the kids for, for dinner the night before the last scrap of food. There was no more food. And there they are sitting around the breakfast table. And what, what does George Mueller do? He, he's, he's trusting God at his word. Seek me first in my kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So he has the kids bow their heads. And they pray their morning prayer of thanking God for the food he's going to provide. Not begging God, come help us, we're in our dire need. No, thank you God for the food you're going to provide for us. And when they finish praying, there's a knock on the door and a baker had an order canceled and there there was all this bread. They bring it in. When the baker leaves, another knock on the door and the milkman's there. Some truck broke down or something. They can't deliver the milk and it's going to spoil. So here to the orphanage, milk for breakfast. Now that is just one example. What George Mueller ended up doing is, is keeping a journal of all the ways that God answered prayer and provided for people that were seeking first the kingdom of God. It, it, is, uh, it is an incredible testimony to the heart and the power of God. And if we're just wallowing in our anxiety and our worry, we never get to experience that. And so one more time, at the very end of our passage, Jesus says one more time, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. He specifically says, uh, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Corey Tim Boom says it this way. Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. I want to think about that for just a minute, about tomorrow. You see, we're very temporal people, and we think in, in time uh, relation to ourselves. But when we come to Christ, we are trusting him with our eternity. In fact, if you understand the gospel, you understand that you are a sinner that was in need of a Savior, that we have all rebelled against God. We've rejected God as authority over us and made ourselves our own lords and tried to live our own lives. And the Bible calls that sin. And the Bible says that God's wrath is against sin, that we all deserve God's judgment and eternal separation from God. And yet God in His grace provided a Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, who came and died on the cross, taking all the wrath 
of God that was against our sin that we deserved, Jesus took it on himself. That we could be free from that wrath through the forgiveness of God. But what do we do to escape the wrath of God? What do we do to accomplish our own salvation? We do nothing. Jesus did it all. We put our faith in Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus. We put our hope in Jesus. And through Jesus, grace comes to us. And we inherit eternal life. So if we are trusting God through Jesus with our eternity, then if we bring it all back down, then why can't we trust God with our tomorrow? With whatever problems tomorrow might bring, whatever troubles might be ahead of us, why can't we trust Him with those things? Just like we're trusting Him with the bigger thing, our eternity. So let's wrap it up by saying, what do we do about worry? Next steps. First, repent from distrusting God. As Francis Chan pointed out, we don't like to hear it, distrust of God is a sin. Repent of it and then pray for strong faith. God, say, say, I am weak in this area. Make me strong. Help me trust you, believe in you. And then take each worry and fear to the Lord in prayer. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Take everything. If something is bothering you, if, a, if there's a little seed of a worry, take it to God. Immediately take it to God. Give it to him. And then preach the truth of God to, your, to yourself. The heart of God, the power of God. Preach to yourself those truths. Remember Jesus said that's how we combat that worry. Then maybe you want to be like George Mueller. Write out a list. Remember all the ways that God has provided for you and met your needs. And then you just look back and say, look what God has done in my life. If he has already done that and proven his love for me and, and proven his power to meet my needs, he can do anything into the future as well. And, and also remember the stories of the faithful who've gone before us. George Mueller, Coy Tin Boone. Many others, and imitate their faith. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I just pray humbly for us. Knowing how uh, distracted we can get with fears and worries and anxieties, and we just, God, we need your help. Would you show us your greatness? Show us your power and your might. And then show us your tenderness and your your kindness toward us and your care for us. May we lay every worry and anxiety at your feet. And then, Lord, empower us to be on mission with you, to be about your kingdom, both in our lives and in this world as you're making a kingdom for yourself. Help us to have our priorities rightly organized. That we would seek you above all things. Lord, we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus, in whom we trust and who we greatly need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.